Welcome back to Bid On You. We've got a special episode today featuring Bubele Boy. I don't know why I did that, but he is a Grammy-nominated, amazing South African producer and one of my truest pals in Los Angeles. We're going to learn from him how to redefine faith for ourselves. So stick around and welcome to Bid On You. I'm here with the legendary. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I feel like I need to give you that, though. It's giving Grammy. It's giving It's giving successful South African. We're going to get a fun accent in this episode, and it won't just be my own, so that'll be nice. Um, but today we are talking about redefining faith. So for yourself, as a young adult or adult versus maybe being forced to believe certain things or not believe certain things growing up. So we're excited to have you. Welcome to Bid On You. So we do this thing called Member of the Week. It's just a little shout out like excellence or black excellence pop culture moment. So of course, I figured we would do Blue Ivy Carter because I was looking at the excerpt with Gail and her father, Mr. Jay-Z, and how he was talking about how she really like grew her confidence on the Renaissance tour and obviously how she has been just like under scrutiny in the public eye since she was born and she mm. didn't even choose that life. So I just wanted to shout out Blue because I feel like she is the legend. Mm. And she said moo lady to her mama. Like it's really It's my time now. She's only got a few minutes left. She better make it count. That's why she put that little movie out because she knows Blue is coming for the throne. I would just like to <laughs> formally say that none of these views represented by the host are held by me or myself or any parties of my business conglomerate. He's like, Beyonce, I still want to work with you, girl. We still, we still locked in. Ain't no switching up. So speaking of that, let's get into the tea. So tell us about your journey, not the literal voyage, but metaphorically from South Africa to Los Angeles and just sort of what you do, how you got here. A quick little bio. I'm Bubele Boy, born in South Africa, Cape Town, South Africa. Lived in Johannesburg, South Africa, which is like the big gritty city of... Oof, not gritty. Of, oh yeah, it's gritty. It's like... The New York? It's like the New York, but not... Way more trees. Way more trees than New York. New York, Seattle. Got it. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> but New it Adel. is like Johannesburg is where all the money is made and it's not oh, okay. a tourist destination. Like if you want to pop in, you can pop in for a weekend. We'll show you a good time. But like, Cape Town is just stunning. That's the That's beaches and the mountains okay. and the wine farms. So I feel like I, I have the, the Joburg grit and the little bit of Cape Town sprinkle. sprinkle. You know, just a little bit of. Just a little something flair know, for like, That's why I got the pearls going Right. On, exactly. You know? Let them know. So. Um, born and raised, and I made my way to the States in 2018 when I mm -hmm. went to grad school mm -hmm. in New York. New York is like the city that I fell in love with. I came oh, on a gap year <laughs> when I was 18. Okay. Um, I just thought there was something funny about an African coming to America um, to help with aid. I felt like there was something... <laughs> I have an actual camera to look at because I'm so used to like looks at camera, but I can actually look you at camera. You can actually look at I'm the like, camera. Y'all hear that? That's so funny. And um Well, we need all the help we can get. So that was yeah, that was my little gap year. Uh, I spent screaming. like four months in New York, but I was like in Smithtown, which is a very random town. It it's yeah. in Long Island. Ooh, Long Island. So you really were just in a state in uh -huh. the United States. But then okay. I would go into the city every weekend. I just fell in love with New York and I was like, okay, I'm coming back here. No matter what, I'm coming really? back. And so finished off university in Cape Town, which I loved, and then made my way to New York to do grad school. I mm. somehow convinced a board of bankers to give me money to study <laughs> music in New York. Don't know how that it's happened. It's the accent. 
I'm uh, telling you. The thing is, it's not an accent if everyone in the room has the same accent, do you know? So oh. it was like a bunch of South Africans and somehow... Oh, really? I, yeah, it was very weird. I sat down. They like fly you in for the interview. So I'm like, okay, this is weird for yeah. 24 hours. Not flew down. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's crazy. I've never had a sugar daddy like that. <laughs> and they pick you up in a car. You come and you sit down and you're in this waiting lobby. And there's a girl next to me. I'm like, hey, so what right. are you applying for? And she's like, oh, I'm going to Harvard for nuclear physics. Same. And I was what like... A coincidence. That's tough. That's crazy. That's tough. Are y'all all buying for like the same funds? Yeah. yeah. So you're in there like... It's like an audition. Like, you're yeah. like, I hope I get it and not you. Yeah, and I'm there like, I'm trying to make music. And well, music heals. So, it's kind of the same. I don't know. We got in there and within 10 minutes, the whole panel was discussing the merits of Kanye West. And I can't. Oh, Lord. It was a whole debate. I don't Were know how it happened. Like, but it was great. And yeah. it somehow worked in my favor. And I'm very wow. thankful to God for that. And so, right. that brought me to New York, which was very much a strategic move of getting into the music industry. Mm-hmm. And um, New York was my foot in the door. And mm-hmm. then stayed there for two and a half years, graduated, and made my way to L.A. post-pandemic. Okay. So, two questions within that. What made you want to pursue music? Was that something always from, like, your childhood? Or you were just like, I'll give this a stab? How did that come to be? My dad was the first rock star that I knew. He would Aww. lead family prayer time with his guitar and like, he'd like put it on a chair and like play the guitar yeah. and we'd all sing together. And Not the Jackson 5. Oh yeah, we sang <laughs> in five-part harmony in my family. That is a, like, me and my mom were always fighting for this because we, we sort of have the same vocal range okay. so we're always fighting for like, the same. You were like, I'm your replacement. I'm like, I'm doing alto. She's like, yeah. no, I'm doing alto and it was a whole battle. Ooh, but, ooh. Um, Sorry, mama. Yeah, <laughs> I had to learn tenor. But it's... That's sort of where I got my love for music. I started mm. to learn from him. And then after that, I've just, I'm such a nerd. I love computers mm. and like building computers <laughs> right. and video games and coding and all of that. All the tech. All of that. So as a kid, those were sort of my two worlds and they were mm. very separate of one another. And then one day my dad brought back, he, he happened to work with a company that helps distribute Apple in Africa. Okay. And so the first Apple product came to South Africa, I think 2012. No, not 2012, yo, I'm lying. When I was 13. Okay. So I don't know what year that was. But um, <laughs> some time ago, a few years ago. Some time ago. When I was thir- <laughs> that was the first time, I think I was 12 or 13, and I'd never seen a, a Mac right. book in my life. And it was the strangest thing. Yeah. And I sat down, opened up his laptop, and you have to get this thing called type approval, which means that if a product comes into a country, they have to be like, it's cool to sell. And so we like, oh, got the okay. first one to like approve. And it was just like, so strange to me right and within two hours i'd clicked on this little guitar icon that bounced up and down that was garage band my whole life crazy changed in that moment it was like this is the exact intersection between the two things that i love the most ah! and like so, brought to your doorstep literally exactly music and uh, technology just right in the middle and when i decided i wanted to be a producer that was right. just sitting there in that chair and then i've just been pursuing that since have you ever felt like a shift in kind of because I feel like the producers typically are seen as more behind the scenes versus like the the act the talent Mm -hmm. so what's that how does that feel or was there like a shift in you of like okay now I'm not going to be fighting for alto now I'm just going to be making some beats (laughs) like Uh, it's that simple (laughs) I've always loved the idea of being a producer because for me it feels like the best of both worlds Mm. you can be at the forefront and the cutting edge of culture and 
everything that's around you that's exciting. Right. Yet you can still live a normal lifestyle. And more importantly, my family can live a normal lifestyle. Mm. <clears throat> so for me, it's very important to raise a family. That is something that I mm-hmm. look forward to in the future. And I don't really, you know, speaking of Blue Ivy, like the fact that she's just cast into the spotlight yeah. from the moment she took a breath. Yeah. It's tough. It comes with a lot of perks for her, but also yeah. comes with a lot of really difficulties, I'm sure. Yeah. And for me, I would really love to have a life where I can go down to the grocery store in mm-hmm. a dirty pa- sweatpants and like a t-shirt mm-hmm. and no one cares. But, you know, on a random Wednesday, Auntie Beyonce walks through the living room right. and my kids are like, Auntie Beyonce, you know, like. I'm sure we would all love Auntie Beyonce. <laughs> you can come walk through my living room right now. No kids, just me. Truly. So, that's yeah, amazing. That's why I love it. I think yeah. being behind the scenes is the best of all the things. Oh, I love that. I think that's so cool because I feel like so many people, you never really get to hear the passion for the behind the scenes. Kind of like when I worked in PR every now and then, like the publicists like to be the movers and the shakers. Mm-hmm. But then it's just rare, I feel like in music, that anyone wants to take anything that's not like the forefront. Yeah. So I feel like that's refreshing. But I mean, that speaks to your character. The girls don't know, but this is fitting. Okay. And then why did you leave New York for LA? I know because LA is the best city, but Ooh, what was your reason? Big claim. I think, don't, you know how I feel. We'll get to that later, but. <laughs> I left New York because of two things. So when the pandemic hit, I was in New York and New mm-hmm. York was ground zero in America mm-hmm. in very many ways. So mm-hmm. just, it was the weirdest thing seeing this apocalyptic thing happen around right. me. I stayed for about eight months uh, or nine months. And then at the end of that year, I was like, okay, I need to make some decisions here because everyone that I knew and loved, even the Americans had left New York. So I was mm. fundamentally alone at that point. Right. And it was a really hard decision to make. But during that time, we started having conversations with a publisher out here in LA mm-hmm. and a management team and the whole team was out here in LA. And so um, all the opportunities, the entire music industry just evacuated from right. New York. And right. so it became a thing of what do I need to do for my business? Right. Um, it also was a an emotional decision on I've known New York at 100. Mm. And even if I build it back up to 80, it's going to feel like a 20% deficit. Mm. Whereas if I go to a city that I've never known right. and just build it from zero, every time I gain ground, it's just like an opening up of a new level. It's right. just like Progress. becoming more and more beautiful. Yeah. And I thought that if I'm going to start from zero, I'd rather start from zero in a place that I've never known at 100. Mm. Wow. That's crazy, honestly, because I feel like so many people were like, oh, everything will bounce back, but nothing is the same. Like, obviously, as we know, yeah. but not to be Drake, but truly nothing was ever the same. But I feel like for me having I think I had a similar experience just going home though during the pandemic so then I was able to like come back to LA and be like okay we're like we're trying again Mm -hmm. but on the other side of this crazy like life expediting maturity level for most people Mm -hmm. experience but going back really quick before we get into the nitty-gritty faith-wise because I feel like everything you're talking about requires a crazy level of faith, like that always, obviously about you impresses me, but how was working with Auntie Beyonce? <laughs> um, it was both the most exciting and scariest thing that's ever happened right, to me, I of think. Course. There's, it was a learning experience. It was hard in many ways and amazing in many ways. I mm-hmm. learned some hard lessons. Um, 
along the way, but I also learned some really great things and met mm-hmm. incredible people. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it was... It, it feels surreal just mm. when I recount the entire experience. Ah. So um, I'm very It'll grateful again. for it. I'm very, very grateful. I feel like you're so humble about it, but that's, you know, I would be like, hey, nice to meet you. You know I work with Beyonce that one time. <laughs> I'm Marissa and I'm Lou Ivy's godmother. So let's get into some more of the faith side of things since we're talking about kind of redefining and restructuring. So y'all were making music at home, but were you going to church? Like, did you grow up in a Christian background or like any faith, any spirituality? How was that growing up? Yes, I grew up in a Christian family, mm-hmm. went to a Christian school. Mm. So, yeah, faith has been from the moment that I arrived in this world. Right. It has been, um, yeah, part of my my existence. Kind of like the the cornerstone of it all. Yeah. Um, my parents very early on were involved in like helping set up churches okay. and planting churches. Oh, okay, okay. For many years, we were like helping a church, and they would like meet in a in a. Um, in a high school hall mm-hmm. over the, the weekends. And we were just, they were very involved in that. Um, many of my closest friends in high school mm-hmm. were mission were kids of missionaries. Okay. So that's why, wow. like, as a kid, there were certain things that I would say with an American accent because, like, yeah. four of my closest friends were Americans. Okay. And, um, yeah, it's just been... And then growing up in a Christian school, I was in the same school They were for, missionaries in South Africa. They were missionaries in South okay. Africa. And then I went to a Christian school... And that, I was in that same school for 14 years, like two years before grade yeah. one, and then all the way up to matric, which is uh, 12th grade. Okay. In the same school. And so, yeah, it has been an all-encompassing experience. Right. How was growing up going to a Christian school? Because I feel like the, the equivalent in the States is like Catholic school. Maybe, but other Maybe. than that, I don't even know what that would look like otherwise. I have no experience of Catholic school, so I wouldn't Neither be able to I. know. But from my <laughs> understanding of it, I don't think it was as hectic as Catholic school. Okay. But it's the school was definitely very conservative mm-hmm. in its outlooks, even problematic. I mean, there's a point where looking back... The school would make very hectic decisions. So, with Christian school, is that like morning prayer? Are we like, okay, before, well, y'all don't even have a pledge. I was going to say, before we said the Pledge of Allegiance. No, but, no, we don't, we don't do the pledge. Which is crazy. Uh, I don't know why we did, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, I won't comment on that. Right, but prayer. But, uh, so we would have, essentially it's just like God and Christianity and faith is sort of written into the bylaws of the school, like in, in, in the, the sense of like, yeah, the curriculum is very much from a Christian-centric mm. um, standpoint. We would have assembly, and during assembly, it's like once a week when the whole school gathers in the hall. Mm-hmm. And then during that time, we might sing a few songs. Mm-hmm. We might, we'd have a youth group. I mean, the, the school was founded by a church. So the building was first a church, oh, okay. and then it became a school. Right. And so though it's very inter, interwoven in those ways. Okay. Um, but it, it's, it gets blurry because then sometimes you're like, at what point is policy of the school um, some sort of expression of a belief point that maybe not all people subscribe to? 
Right. Or all people here that are supposed to be represented by yeah. the school. That's something that you have to understand is that just because you're at a Christian school does not mean that everyone who's at the, in the school is a Christian. Ooh. And that was a very interesting thing. I mean, really? I only le- there's a lot of things that you don't know as a kid because as a kid, you yeah. are sur- you only know what's what you yeah. see around you. You yeah. have no way to compare things and right. contrast things. Right. But later on, we'd hear of so many problematic things that would happen in the school or certain mm. um, decisions that were made that mm-hmm. were like, okay, that's kind why? of strange. Yeah. Why, was, <laughs> why is that made? Yeah. And it becomes really interesting when faith is such a personal thing. How mm. do you impose the way in which it must be executed on other people? Right. You know, I mean, there were times when teachers were fired because they were living with their boyfriend. That's a non-Christian thing to do by the standards of the school. And that teacher was a very loved teacher. And so... What is the, like, hey, girl, we heard, so pack your things, let's go. I have no idea what that conversation would look like. I would... You just knew she was there one day and gone the next? Yeah. Stop. There have been other conversations where there was... We had a teacher who was incredibly forward-thinking and Mm -hmm. really into mentoring boys into being men and having Mm -hmm. the hard tough conversations and the honest conversations before we knew it he was gone too there's it was very interesting to see those kinds of things happening around us and then as you get to high school you start to realize something's afoot wait a minute (laughs) not something is going on (laughs) but as that happens i think that also the world is changing and so right the school has changed and you know as leadership has changed now um, the principal, I think, who's the current principal now, I think he has way more of a sober mentality. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, it's been very interesting to see how how do you balance that. But it's right. it's it's interesting because at the same time, like something that we knew is like pastors' kids are always the most troublesome. Yeah, <laughs> you know, we had kids in our school. It's like right. If this group of people are throwing a party, I mean... Right. We God- already know what it is. Yeah. The Gosmans <laughs> say there's a party going down. It's going down. Yikes. But... But meanwhile, the teacher can't leave with her boyfriend. There was a don't ask, don't tell thing. Okay. Like a very interesting thing is... Uh, so the drinking age in South Africa is 18. Okay. Um, in our school, you are not allowed to drink full stop even when you are senior. And... Uh, specifically if you're in school leadership. So we have like the, the UK. You can't drink if you legally can drink. Yeah, you can't. Could the teachers drink, like administration? Sure. Because they're grown? I guess. So just, But okay. it was sort of like, so we, it, the best way I can explain to an American is sort of, it's sort of like Hogwarts. You have like yeah. houses, we wear uniforms, you have right. head boy, head girl, oh you have prefects, gosh. you have all of that. And if you are one of the prefects or in leadership, even worse, you are not allowed to ever be caught yeah. with alcohol ever. And that's all well and good. But <laughs> at the end of the year, we have the matric dance, which is what I guess you would call as prom. Okay. And teachers have a very much a don't ask, don't tell policy there. Okay. Like, we don't know where you're going for the after party. We have no affiliation to the right. after party. Right, nothing to do with me. That, okay. Where are you guys going after this? You're going home, right? right. <laughs> and Your eye is twitching. Yeah. <laughs> how does that sort of shape or how has that shaped your personal journey with faith and like spirituality and like coming from obviously a household that believes something and then going to a school that believes something and then going to church on the weekends I'm assuming like that is sort of every facet of your being as a like child to 18 years old 
it's very easy to become indoctrinated. I think that I think it's why I hold the stance that I hold now is that mm-hmm. a lot of people's faith is in their own. Mm. It is one that is not forced upon them, but has been thrust upon them by someone else. An inherited faith. Yeah, they've inherited it. Yeah. And I feel that when you're a child, I think there's, there is that element, which is great. Right. It's like, it's something that you learn, but there comes a point where you have to start unpacking and unraveling and deconstructing your own belief systems and mm-hmm. understanding why do you believe and what do you believe mm. and what parts of it do you believe and which parts do you think are not quite up to standard to what do you think yeah. is whatever your belief system is. Right. And I think that for me, that really happened in university. Okay. Where I left this Christian school and left my home and it became this. It was no longer about like or everyone agreeing on something. Yeah. You'd sit down and say, I believe this and someone would grill you and they'd be more educated Absolutely. on your own faith than you are. Right. I'm and like, girl, do I, you believe? Because you know more than me. Exactly. <laughs> Confused. And that's when I really started diving into like, I need this faith thing to be my own thing. Mm. I think that surface level just really, for me personally, I struggle with because that surface level is just so, it's just easy, easy consumption of, of, of faith. But faith shapes mm-hmm. so much of, I think, who you are as a person right. that it shouldn't be taken lightly. Define surface level. I think that there are a lot of people in the Christian faith who have never questioned it because they've been taught that it is bad to <laughs> Start question. Start literally drinking my tea. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's they, yeah. they have been taught that it, Absolutely. you do not question God. Mm. My belief is counter to that. I believe that if God is who he says he is and right. he's genuinely the creator of the entirety of the universe, there's right. not a single question that I could ask that he does not have the answer to. And doesn't know I'm going to ask it already. Exactly. And it doesn't mean that he necess- I even he I deserve an answer. He mm. might decide never to give me an answer. There are some things mm. I might never get an answer to, but to ask them is to not it does not at all threaten his existence. Oof. For me, it is the funniest thing when I see Christians up in arms about movies. They're like, this is what the right. devil Blasphemy. is. I'm like, do, do you really think a, a movie is going to change the existence yeah. of God? Like, a man-made movie. Do you think he movie. is threatened by that, even right. in the slightest? Hmm. I think that any movie that does that, it's actually more of an interesting, it's an opportunity Absolutely. to go in and have a conversation Absolutely. with someone more than anything. Yeah. And I think we're missing those opportunities by shutting things down and like indoctrinating and oppressing. I think that Christianity is a wildly oppressive Mm. structure. And I mean, there are lots of things that I've had to unpack as a black Mm -hmm. African. I've had Mm -hmm. to sit there and understand and unpack this thought of how can I believe in the faith system that was used to subjugate my people for many years. Right. And to culturally eradicate parts of my being. Mm. And my people. And that's when I started to understand that Christianity as a faith and religion as a construct right. is very separate conversation mm. to God. Ooh. And having a relationship with God and yeah. trying to understand the character of God. Yeah. Even the way that we read the Bible right now, this is where I'm really at, yeah. is I think the way that we read the Bible is wildly misinformed and okay. highly problematic because we lack context. Yeah. Like 
preachers are great at what they do, but mm-hmm. to me, I sort of view most preachers as Christian motivational speakers more mm. than I do theologians. Okay. Because they're picking a verse and speaking Building about from that. it. Yeah. Completely out of context. Mm-hmm. And then using it to make us feel good, which is has a place, mm-hmm. but it's motivational speaking. It's not mm-hmm. theology. And we also lack so much context, like something that I've been so encouraged by and shout out to my mom for putting me onto this. This podcast is um, the Bible from the Middle Eastern perspective. Ooh. And it is so important because there are so many things that culturally we could never even know mm-hmm. because we're interpreting it from a Westerner's viewpoint. Mm. You know, that like there are so many stories where the Bible, written like for the lion's den, right. just to see that first part of the book is written in one language and the second part is written in a different style mm. and then the third the part original is written text, yes yeah. and okay. there's and the then the first part is written the, the last part is written as first part the same as the first part right right what happened in the middle <laughs> yeah but now this is super interesting because it shows you so much about like the characters Mm-hmm. perception and like what they were forced to do and that okay were they really trying to assimilate to the culture of the time this new land that they were in it tells you so much like there are times even with Moses and God where God yeah. says go get like I think it was three objects like a dove mm-hmm. a a sheep and something else I forget and mm-hmm. uh, let the blood run into a hole mm-hmm. and we read that and we're like that's kind of weird but okay mm-hmm. what we're missing is that that is a Middle Eastern wedding ritual and by god saying that to abraham and don't quote me on this i might be getting the wrong (laughs) characters but just by like those kind of revelations like oh god is actually making a covenant he's making a covenant with him in a way that we've completely missed right we're just like why are we killing animals i don't even fool animals like that to be like let's go down and slaughter you real quick (laughs) with the priest because i lied this week like that is a lot there's just so like also we don't know what that means you know like we have veggie tales and then to your point earlier especially that's really up against. And I know we talk about this a lot in our Bible study is like as a black woman, especially now as an adult, like I kind of don't have the, the parental, they can send an email or show up at the school protection. So it really is just like, feels like me against the world and the Lord. And I really struggle with, especially, you know, my people came over on the boat. We came from the same place. Well, now we know we might be cousins because, you know, I did my 23 and me, but anyway, the other side of the family, we got over here to Alabama. And I feel like in the black American culture, faith is like the bedrock. Like it is so strong, like from slavery and on. And it's so interesting to me that the people that have been oppressed the most in this nation, but also pretty much the world of darker skin tone, like have the strongest belief systems, have the strongest faiths, like have the you don't question God or like just just have this steadfastness that is insane. Like I'll talk to my grandma mm-hmm. and be like, you literally walk to school with rocks being thrown at you in Jim Crow South being called the N word. And you like, but God is good and God is faithful and he'll make you right. Huh? You know what I mean? And yeah. so it's trying to deconstruct half of it is the Western side of it, of using, you know, slaves obey your masters, right? Like you use this text to, and subjugate. this religion mm-hmm. to subjugate, to oppress, to control, to enslave. Yeah an entire race of people and justify it and tell them that the God that we all are supposed to serve finds you better than me. Uh And now we're not doing it no more, but at the same time, we still have full out faiths like Mormonism, et cetera, and full out segregation pretty much in the American church of white church, black church, Hispanic church, Asian church. Uh And the church that I go to, you know, like you visited is probably (laughs) 
truly the only church I've ever been in where I'm really like, this is what heaven will look like. All shapes and sizes, races and creeds. But again, we're still pulling from pretty much modern day, and I'm not a theologian, but modern day, we're really pulling from King James Version. Mm-hmm. And he owns slaves. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, I'm supposed to sit up here, especially as a woman, I feel like it goes on another level. Yeah, because it was Bible was written in a highly patriarchal society. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why I've been actively trying to, I think there are three things here at play. It's the voice of God, mm-hmm. the voice of man, mm-hmm. and the third and most dangerous, it's the voice of man acting as God. And that is the most dangerous of all of the things. And it's so hard to actually dissect and find truth. And I find that the only way that I am trying to find truth is by really zooming out and finding the character of God. Okay. I think that if we go pixel by pixel, we are going to find a lot of human nature and a lot of cultural context that was imprinted by humans. Absolutely. Is this, like, for instance, just looking at translations, one person could change one word mm-hmm. and that changes the way in which we see everything Absolutely. for an entire people group. Right. And the people who are interpreting the Bible had their own agendas, agendas that were at play here. And so it's very hard for me to take any one thing mm-hmm. as the be all and end all. I have to zoom out and get as much context as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. When I read when I'm reading a Bible verse, I'm not just reading the words on the, the text. I'm trying to understand what was the original text, what was the original right. context, who was writing it, where were they writing it from? The fact that someone's writing a certain Bible verse and they happen to be like in a certain town where right. s- historically XYZ is happening. Right. right. That's so important because yeah. it's going to affect how you see everything. Who are they writing to? Yeah. You know, like these are fundamental. The whole New Testament of like Paul being like, it's better to be single, but if you can't wait, go and get married. Like he's talking to a specific group that was he's going through something specifically group. at that time. And, and we take it and we're like, well, girl, you can't work for us because you live with your boyfriend. It's you a really I mean? tough situation. It's yeah. very tough. And I think that in many ways, I think God that's where God thrives. It's like he He didn't, as much as people say the Bible is the word of God. And I'm like, it's, I do believe that. But I think that he's given us more, it's more of like a clues to find him mm-hmm. than it is a blueprint of who he is. Because if you think that a deity that is so complex that could create the universe and has created things that we as humans haven't even fathomed of could be condensed into like, a book that's this thick. Right, on rice paper. That is a very fundamentally arrogant thing to do. Hmm. And for you to think you could speak for that intention of that being is even more arrogant. To see people like really oppress the rights of other humans using the Bible. Something I see in America a lot with specifically gay rights or transgender Mm. rights. And it's like, how can you, how can you read the Bible and see the God that I see from these stories right. and fun and still think that this person wants you to oppress this human. Right. I'm where are baffled. you getting oppression here? Cause I'm not seeing it. Yeah. So I can would, you point that out? What would, Bible will y'all read? Exactly. I would like for, or I'm pro-life, but I'm pro death penalty. Like which one is it? I God know, wants those... the babies to be born, but he wants them babies to grow up and be killed or don't let that baby come out brown or black. Then we don't want any assistance for that baby. Exactly. But as long as you had a baby, you must have it. There's, or else jail there's, there's too much there's too much nuance on these yeah. things and i think that what happens is we're conflating 
politics and and we we've like religiousized mm-hmm. politics in supposed America. to be separation of church and state yeah it's really tough like nothing is in a silo and so my thing is now more than and ever we have to be taking in the full context we have to step back and like how is this affecting anything that i think how right. does this affect the people around me and how does this line up to the character of god and what we know about him to be true that is it. That how is... do you? How are you zooming out? Like, what's a practical? So, if you're reading, like, I have my study Bible, right, and sure. so I'll like dig in that way. But how are you sort of zooming out and getting the context? I mean, you might be like doing more research than the average person, but what could someone do when they're like, okay, shoot, like I don't, I was just <laughs> they don't know where to start with this. It's like, okay, maybe I walked away from the faith, or I grew up and I know a few for God so little world, but like now what? I want to read the Bible, but I don't know if I can see it as the ultimate way to know God and nothing else. Like, what would you recommend? And it could be personal to you or just like general, something that has helped you. Pick the thing that bugs you the most and start there. The issue? The issue or the verse or the mm. the thing that really does not sit well. Oof. Start there. That is, I think, the fundamental. I'm trying to stress the people out. Yeah, I I think that no faith faith isn't supposed to be easy. Mm. Ooh, and I I believe that starts crying. <laughs> no, literally, I feel like God has sent people in here to read me today. But go on. <laughs> I just think that it's it's a puzzle that we're all trying to figure out. And I am no theologian, mm-hmm. theologian. I don't know what the accent is, the emphasis. But I just know what I'm on this journey to try and find truth and try to get mm-hmm. closer to it. And I know that I'm going to die trying. Absolutely. But as I move through life, I start to understand, I think through the word, like reading the Bible mm-hmm. and then studying the context around it and really understanding things. Mm. I start to be able to sift through things. <gasps> I feel like they're, Oh my gosh, we low key. We're going to have you back because <laughs> I feel like there are so many different directions to go in this and so much to dig into. And I feel like it's trying to take what we have experienced or what we know that like maybe worked last month that may not even work this next month and try and make it accessible for people. I feel like especially me coming from the Bible Belt, like meeting people who have just never even known God to be how we're talking about him, like someone you can talk to and have a relationship and like Jesus as his son. Like they've never even they just knew like, okay, bad, bad, bad. Or they only see it as like religion or being religious and trying to simplify that in the way of like the way that I'm talking to you right now, like even though he is holy and all of those things, I don't want to be, you know, but you could really just say, God, what's going on? You know what I mean? In the same way we're talking right now. Okay. So he has a question for you. Uh Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Not me on my own show getting red. (laughs) How do you, how do you balance guilt and your belief? I don't do it well. I'll say that. I don't balance it well. Um, Guilt, I think for me, we all have, I refer to it as like convictions. So I think we all have different things that we feel convicted about, whether that be like based on a lot of indoctrinated things, some things that you may or may not still ascribe to. I think especially as women, you know, people could not even consider themselves religious, spiritual, whatever. And they can still be like, oh, I'm considered a whore or whatever, because I've slept with whoever and all those things. So I think society has a lot of things that they picked up from different faiths, patriarchal society, especially. Um, And so it's trying to reconcile, like I was mentioning off camera, like what, what does God really say about this? And 
in the context, like you said, but also what does he want for me to do? Because there's a verse that talks about, you know, you can eat meat, but don't judge your fellow believer that doesn't eat meat. And the believer that doesn't eat meat, don't judge the one who does. And Jesus drank wine is what I always say. Like, for example, I have friends who are like, oh my gosh, I'm like, I can't drink and like, you know, whatever, especially in college. I used to sort of be that way. And then I realized I was making that a God. Like I was so worried about if I drink, is God going to be mad at me? And it's like, okay, well, are you moving in a way that's outside of your character and who he knows you to be? No. You might just have a little bit of a funnier joke. <laughs> the accent might be thicker. Um, so I think it's just trying to be honest with myself about the conviction I actually feel. Cause I feel like, you know, when you feel like this isn't, this doesn't serve me, uh -huh. whether you believe or not, like highest self, spirituality, all of that, you know, if that person is just not good for you versus uh -huh. God is like, sex is bad. You know yeah. what I mean? Like maybe it's a little bit of both. Who knows? It's a very tough one, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's two elements at play here where it's like, I, I think, <laughs> I saw this video and I thought it was so, so true of like, people be like, I'm at peace with my decision. And it's oh, like, okay, girl. Okay, cool. Like, I'm <laughs> glad you're at peace. But the thing is, if I go down to the store and I steal a chocolate, I'm at peace because that chocolate is nice. I, I didn't have it. the chocolate. Right. Now I have the chocolate and I got away with stealing it. Mm. I'm at peace with my decision. So peace isn't really a good way for me to not decide of what, what is right. Conviction can also not be a good mm -hmm. way for me to decide because it might be years of church guilt and Absolutely. indoctrination and societal norms that have been oppressed upon you. Right. So if you can't trust the peace and if you can't trust mm -hmm. the conviction, then how on earth do you even start to make decisions? Discernment. Where does that begin? Begging for it is where I'm at. <laughs> exactly. I just be like, it's, God, can you please give me some discernment? Should I go right, left, sit still? That's it. Truly. And that's I think that's what he hard. wants, though, because I think if there was a way to cookie cut it, a human's child, we do one thing. We have one good day and I don't even pray. You know what I mean? It's like we just want to do it on our own. And he mm -hmm. knows that. So like we need and when you were saying earlier, like the Bible and the reference about it, like being bread, right? The, the word of God being bread, but then also the word of God says, man shall not live on bread alone, and woman shall not live on bread alone, right? So it's like having all of these things that connect you to God who lives within you. I remember when I was little, and I was like, well, God, where is he, mama? And my mom was like, he lives within you. For me, love music too. Worship music is when I feel the closest to the Lord. Mm -hmm. We, Our friend Terrence, he be going through the Bible like, Paul is crazy. Like that's how he feels close and feels his presence. You know what I mean? So for everyone you're obviously such an intellectual with it. So you're finding him in the different contexts and the different um, translations. Like, mm -hmm. I think he is, I am and he's all. So, and we're made in his image. So some people may be creating, like Morgan is making short films. Like, I think it's cool because we get to do it with him. Mm -hmm. And before I used to be like, okay, I have to do this for you. And now it's like, I get to do it with you. And I feel like that is more freeing than trying to tr follow a rule book. Yeah. Because basically, then we just running around under the law with with Instagram <laughs> instead. Yeah. We posting the Ten Commandments on the timeline instead of the tablet. That's good. That was good right there. They're going to steal that <laughs> trademark. <laughs> the girls are going to print that one out. Yeah. I just, it's, it's an impossible. Yeah. I think that as long as we understand that everything is nuanced and there's mm -hmm. no black and white in almost anything. I think we're in a good place. God is gray. Because, yeah. Gray and gray. <laughs> I, think there's, I think there's only one thing in the mm. entire world that I can say is fundamentally bad always. Oh, there's only one. 
If you can name another one, I'll be very impressed. I'm listening. Because I've been trying to grow this list. The only thing on this earth, in my opinion, mm-hmm. that is not gray mm-hmm. is the molestation of children. Period. I was about to say, it better be children. That's, That's there's it. no confusion. Whether physical, sexual, doesn't matter. Emotional, there is no There's no consenting there. Right. Everything but else you can consent for. Lying, killing, mm-hmm. stealing... All of those things mm-hmm. could be gray. And that's the part of scripture where I really do, where God was like, you'd be better to cut off your eyeball and throw it into the sea. I think he was standing on business. Like, I think he really meant that. He really was like, do not play with the kids. And I agree. Yeah. So we can, we can agree on that yeah. for sure. Other but than that. Other than that, what, what else is like, no, it's just like, if you're killing a child and I have a reason to stop you and maybe right. you, the only way that I do that is by killing you mm-hmm. do i do that is it what what is the what is right. the gray because then who's making the rules are what we twisting them for what we want i think that we are all humans are fundamentally trying to get an outcome that benefits them yeah and, and say that it's that, coming from something else yeah and i think that i'm trying to have the awareness that even i and myself and in my research and maybe trying to do that mm-hmm. and that's a hard thing to do to to come to grips with it of like, oh, am I trying to justify a certain stance that I have? Or because I don't like being told what not to do? Mm-hmm. Or am I actually coming in with a non-biased perspective and allowing myself to get to a, a, an answer that I might not like? Oof. I don't know. but And then accepting it and moving accordingly. Yeah, because that's tough. I'd be getting the answer. I'd just be like, oh, I don't think that's what you meant. <laughs> Surely not. Right. Because now we got to change up. Oh, it's a lot. Changing as a human is tough. Mm-hmm. It's tricky. And on that note, we're going to do what we call opening bids, which is just questions, letters, et cetera, from our viewers at home. So they can write in. But I think you answered a lot of them because I started asking questions personally. So I hope they help y'all. But what advice would you give and I guess we can sort of, we kind of have answered this, but outside of, you know, starting at the text that bothers you or whatever that may may be, what would you give if, you know, maybe someone has never even had an encounter with faith, spirituality, or maybe they grew up in the church, were baptized as a child, walked away, never came back. Like, where would you start? You had to start today. What piece of advice would you give? With How do I get into, get into the Lord, get into faith, get into it? I say finding a small group of people mm-hmm. That's good. who believe in that faith and just joining with them. And vibing. Like just walking with them, just hanging out. That is, that's what I, I think is church. I think mm. we've strayed so far away from what church, the mm-hmm. original vision of what church is. Right. And so I think that just a bunch of people hanging out and trying to find truth and doing life together, it's amazing. I you know, that. just to, just, I think that's it. Just find people and hang out with them just do life together yeah and then ask questions and like yeah uh engage with each other ask the tough things i mean a friend of mine said something that really stuck with me he's like i don't think there's a single good um what was the word there's no role model of a single man in the bible Mm. Outside of Jesus, like yeah, name, no one's perfect. Name one, or the opposite. Name a married man that I can look up to in the Bible. 
And I was like, that's hectic. Waits for the answer, yeah. So we're like, as men, we're like, we need to be this. But I'm Mm-mm. like, it's not even in the Bible, my boy. Like, like where's the... You're like, not going to be the first. You're not. It's not going to be you. It's you never going to be you. And so that's, that's, that's so tough when you're like, oh, even this ideal that we somehow got along yeah. the way doesn't exist in the text that yeah. we so much We're making all this up respect, as we go. You know? This is awesome. We do up. too much. So we have to have... It's just the council. Like... My friend has something that I, I love and he calls it the counsel of the final word. Mm. And these are people in your life mm-hmm. that you trust. Wise counsel. And that you depend on. And when they say something, you do it even if you don't like the answer. Oof. The counsel of the final word. Because these are people you trust that have your best interests and have more knowledge than you can wow. possibly have in that moment. For me, those are people that I'll text when so- something yeah. happens. And I'm like, hey... Sometimes just texting them to tell them this is what's happening mm-hmm. stops any bad things from happening mm-hmm. because now they have knowledge of certain and they situations can pray for you and intercede that are in it. Sometimes it's just being like, "Boys, and I don't know what's going on here." And they're like, "Bro, think about it this way," mm-hmm. and they'll give me a new perspective. And sometimes it is them saying, "Okay, you're being an idiot. <laughs> this is what you need to do." And I won't like it, mm-hmm. but I do it yeah. because. The counsel of the final word has nothing but your best interests at heart. Mm-hmm. So that's beautiful. I think that not a lot of people, a lot of people pick friends by by picking people that will allow them to do whatever they want. Absolutely. I feel like we're yes, in this man. like yes, age where people are scared to say no to one another mm-hmm. and be like, dude, that's not a good idea. Mm-hmm. It's just Don't do that. It's like we're all doing it for the plot and I'm like <laughs> The plot is horrible. Bro, the they pl- left the movie. Can the plot is Titanic anymore. Yeah, the we're all shooting the Titanic at this point. I cannot Please. allow for yeah. any more thickening of my personal plot. <laughs> I'm. We are at the end. <laughs> like, literally, <laughs> so, the climax has happened twenty times. The people have left the theater. Yes, it's a silent film at the this point. Plot shall not Truly, thicken. so in Jesus' name, I claim that for myself. Yeah, I don't know. A smooth sale. I want happy days. I want Three's Company vibes in 2024. I think if there's anything that I would give advice to anyone, it's just go into curiosity and ask questions. Mm -hmm. There's not a single question that you shouldn't ask. Mm -hmm. Ask it and ask it to people who might be in positions of authority or like thought leaders and like ask them and they might not have good answers for you. Mm -hmm. Push them on it. I, I loved walking up to my past and being like, so what do you think that I as a Lower black man should do? Do, do all this at your own risk. <laughs> Disclaimer. No, straight up. Because yeah. if they haven't thought about it, yeah, then they should go think about it or mm. help me find a resource right. that will maybe help me get to the element Some of answers, truth that I'm yeah. looking for. Mm. And if they think they have the answers, I think the the biggest thing for me is just like being able to say, I don't know. And I'm going to say right now, with all the things that I've said, yeah, all of it is I don't know, but I'm trying. That is it. That is and being the, okay with not knowing. That's the only advice that I have. Like everything that I'm saying is me being like, I'm not sure about that because what about this and what about this yeah. and what about this and I don't know, but right. I am actively trying to get as much information as I can. Oof, that's a that's a word. I feel like I'm gonna start saying I'm gonna steal that from you and be saying it. <laughs> And then the final question is for you, actually, which I feel like you kind of just said. But we like to do a little final word for our guests, which is how are you going to bid on you? So bid on yourself in this next season. What are you going to do with 
basically what you just said, like you don't know, but what are some plans? Maybe that's giving yourself more grace for not knowing. Maybe that's not doing as much research, doing more research, finding more small groups, going to church more or less. How's B going to bid on him? I think that the way that I would bid. Bid. Mm-hmm. Not bet. It's there. It's a double entendre there. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. You're following. You're following. Great. The way that I'm going to bid on myself is by continuing to zoom out and zoom in at the same time. I think mm. just gaining more understanding, more context, and then not pressuring myself so much mm. to have an answer always. I think that mm. that's helpful to me. Yeah. And then it's also helpful for me. I think something I really need to do is to do the work of unpacking and rolling back the effects of indoctrination. Because mm. I really do believe this faith. I do believe in God, but I don't believe everything that I've been led to believe. Absolutely. And I think I'm still grappling with the negative repercussions of some say, of those thought patterns yeah. and of those um, those things. And I'm seeing those effects currently in my 100%. life. 100%. It's and like it's God hard. is not letting us ignore it anymore because it's right there in our face. It's really hard. And so I'm trying to, I think something I need help with is you know forgiveness to the entire structure for the whatever trauma it might have inflicted Mm. because it makes it so much harder now to just go about certain things in life and engage even though I do believe this yeah and so I think having grace for myself and Mm. my journey is like I think a really important part of this I'll be praying for you on that too. The forgiveness is it's a heavy one. Mm-hmm. We can do it. We don't know. So <laughs> when in doubt, we don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm trying. But I'm trying. And thank y'all for watching. We hope you're trying too. Thanks for tuning in a bit on you. And we'll see you next time. Woo.